The signs of Christmas are all around us. Oh, that's one of the reasons we love Christmas so much. The, the music of Christmas is the best music of all, isn't it? And we got to sing some of those beautiful, beautiful uh, songs today. Those carols, those Christmas songs that are such a part of our, our deep faith. What about the smells of Christmas? Don't you, you love the smells of Christmas? We get those smells and we, we know that that's a sign that Christmas is coming. Of course, we've talked about the signs of Christmas on the television with the commercials at the stores with all their um, the gifts that are there and, and the, uh, the rush to buy your Christmas gifts. The signs of Christmas are all around us. But there's other signs too. I think of the Star of Bethlehem, the, the sign that was given for the Magi, correct? Do we have any astronomers or astronomy enthusiasts? Uh, if you haven't heard by now, I want to let you know. Tomorrow at sunset on the 21st, there is what's called a conjunction between Jupiter and Saturn. And they say the best way to see this is about 45 minutes after sunset. It's kind of been preparing the, those, those two planets in the skies have been aligning themselves, but it'll be at its fullest and brightest tomorrow evening on the 21st. Now the reason that that's so important for us is that there is, uh, as we've tried to understand what could the star of Bethlehem be, there are many theologians, there are many uh, that, that study the, the skies, the astronomists, that believe that the uh, conjunction between Saturn and Jupiter could be an explanation of this star of Bethlehem. You see, the last time the star of Bethlehem, if it's this conjunction or this conjunction between Jupiter and uh, Saturn was seen, was in the 1200s. And as we go back, as we do the math and, and understand the science, there was a visible uh, conjunction of Saturn and of Jupiter around 6 or 7 B.C. And so there are a lot of folks that believe that this conjunction that we're going to see for the first time and since the 1200s is that star of Bethlehem. So I would encourage you, to, if you're available, to get out. I think it's towards the southwest part of the sky and the heavens tomorrow in the lower portion of that and will disappear pretty quickly in the evening. But like I said, I think about 45 minutes into the, uh, into the night is when that will best be seen. The signs of Christmas. We're going to talk more about those signs in just a moment. But I wanted us again to reflect on the idea of the fear not stories. The fear not stories of the nativity. And this is the last of those fear not stories until next week when we look beyond the nativity and discover at least one more fear not story that we must be aware of. But it's the fear not stories during this 2020 year of pandemic, this 2020 year of election and social up, um, uh, unrest, that we have focused on these fear not stories, asking them and, and seeking them to help us to prepare and to wait for the coming of Jesus, the coming of our Savior on Christmas morning. They remind us, these stories remind us that instead of fear, the Lord invites us to experience Hope, peace, joy in the midst of our fears and struggles. And today's Fear Not story, as we've already sung about, focuses on God's love. 1 John chapter 4 says this, There is no fear in love, 
but perfect love casts out fear. Church, the greatest weapon that we have against fear is the love of God. So if fear has gripped you over these last weeks and over these last months, you need to hear the good news of Christmas that God loves you and that God's desire, His intent and purpose in your life is to free you from whatever fear paralyzes and cripples you. Of course, the love of God is most vividly seen in the birth and the life and the death of Jesus, the Son. In fact, the most recognized verse in all of the New Testament is John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish, would not die, would not suffer against the great fear of death, but would have eternal life. So turn with me to Luke chapter 2, and let's look at this story, this powerful and beautiful story, this fear-not story of the shepherds that takes place on Christmas night. We'll begin in verse 8 and read through verse 20. In the same region, there were some shepherds that were staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, staying out in the fields, you might kind of glance over that. They lived out in the fields. They, they had their little uh, shelters that they had prepared and built, but they literally lived out in the fields outside of Bethlehem with their sheep. And they were keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terribly frightened. Wouldn't we all be, right? <laughs> wow, can you imagine the glory and majesty of what they had seen as the angel of the Lord appeared before them? But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, that would be Bethlehem, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and, and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary, Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. But the shepherds, they went back. They went back to their fields. They went back to their sheep, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, 
just as it had been told to them. One of the reasons that I love this story of the shepherds is because it offers to us an incredible picture and and an example of how we should respond to the Lord. When the shepherds heard the word of the Lord, they went to Bethlehem. They saw the baby Jesus, they shared what had been told, and they rejoiced and praised God because His word was true. What a beautiful and wonderful description of what it means to be a follower of Christ, to be a a Christian, to be a disciple of Jesus, that we listen, that we go, that we see, that we tell, and that we worship. A beautiful description of what it means to follow after Jesus. Again, I, I... I'm drawn to this part because of our focus this year of, of the shepherds being afraid, scared to death. Like I said, we would too, wouldn't we? They were afraid. But it's as if the angel is saying, shepherds, hey guys, stop being afraid. <laughs> this is no time to be afraid because I have got some incredible, I have got some life-changing, world-changing news to tell you. And in that moment, the heavenly announcement, the heavenly announcement, the heavens opened up, the heavenly announcement of God's Son being born on this earth, proclaimed to a few angels on hills outside of Bethlehem, to men who were of no reputation. In fact, shepherds, as we've already described, were men that lived on the fringes of society. Distant, dirty, poor, living in the fields with their sheep. And yet these are the men that the angel announced the birth of Messiah, not to the rich, not to the powerful, not to the religious, but to nameless shepherds in Bethlehem. And what was this message that the angel had to share? Listen again, listen afresh and anew with ears to hear. Fear not. A Savior is born. Oh, how they needed a Savior. But church, even today, how desperately we are for a Savior. Our world needs a Savior. Our nation needs a Savior. Our community needs a Savior. Our families need a Savior. I need a Savior, and I suspect you do too. Don't be afraid, the angel says. Don't be afraid any longer. Why? Because a Savior is born. There is no longer any reason to fear. The Christ, the Messiah, is here. So stop being afraid. 
For God Himself has taken on the form of a baby, and He will live and He will walk among us. Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God is now with us. The kingdom of God is here. The King is born. The King who will show us how to live. The King who will offer us hope in the midst of our despair. Who will offer us peace in the midst of our turmoil. Who will help us to find joy in the midst of our sickness and our brokenness. He is the one that will save us from our sin. He is the one that will save us from death. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, a Savior, a Christ, the Lord. Now look back with me at verse 12. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and claws and lying in a manger. Now, we kind of skip over this part, don't we? It's kind of, we, we know the story, right? Jesus, manger, clothes, swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. We get that. But the angel's not giving directions here. I think we think that the angel is giving directions to the shepherd. You go to Bethlehem at the second light, you turn right. The fourth barn on the left, you'll hear a baby crying. If he's in a manger and wrapped in swaddling clothes, that's the one. Directions. But the angel's not giving directions. It's something much greater than that. The angel is offering a sign. A sign. Well, what do we mean by that? What does the angel mean by this idea of a sign? You see, a sign... A sign is a mark which distinguishes a person or a thing from, from others. Okay, so when you, the sign is when you find the baby in the manger wrapped in swollen clothes, that's the sign, that's the, that's the child, that's the one you're looking for. You sign your name, right? To identify yourself in, in personal matters. You, you write a, a card or a note and, and you sign your name because that, that recognizes you. It's your mark. It's your sign. You sign your name in, in business contracts and deals because it represents you and it's your official authentic signature that distinguishes you and marks you apart from others and is a guarantee of your word, of your commitment. Signs distinguish us. But in the Bible, a sign is so much more. Not only did a sign identify, but signs also point beyond themselves to something that is so much greater, something that reveals and points us to a deeper truth. In the Old Testament, I would show you this. Turn to Isaiah chapter 7 if you have your Bible or have your Bible app with you. Isaiah 7, this beautiful Advent Scripture that we're so familiar with. Therefore, verse 14, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son and will call His name Emmanuel. That's the sign. When, when a virgin gives birth, that's the sign. That's the mark. That's the distinction. Well, what does it mean? What does it point to? Look at chapter 9 of Isaiah, verse 6. 
is the explanation, is the meaning of the sign. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, and there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. The sign is that a virgin will give birth, and what it points to when that happens, here's what's about to happen, here's what that birth points to and beyond reveals that truth. Turn with me to John chapter 3 in the New Testament. John chapter 3. The story of Nicodemus. Now in chapter 2, we already see that Jesus has, has performed a miracle at Cana. Apparently he's done some other miracles, but listen to what Nicodemus has to say. Rabbi, in verse 2, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs. Not just miracles, no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Nicodemus had the foresight, the discernment to see the, the signs that Jesus was performing. And they marked him, they distinguished him as being from God. There was no doubt about it. But there was something inside of Nicodemus that said, these signs, these miracles are, 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 are more than just trying to draw a crowd. These signs have certainly identified Jesus as being from God, but they tell us, they reveal to us, they point us to something so much greater. Jesus, help us to understand. Tell us what these signs mean. And if you're familiar with the Gospel of John, John fills his Gospel with seven signs. Seven signs that point us and help us to identify the deeper meaning and understanding of who Jesus is. For example, John chapter 11. The raising of, La of Lazarus from the dead. We pick up that story in, in verse 11 and here Jesus is giving the, the meaning of the sign. It's the sign that that demonstration shows that Jesus will conquer the grave, that Jesus will defeat death. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even if he, even if she dies. The sign is that Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. But what did it mean? What did it point to? It pointed us to the ultimate truth and revelation that Jesus Christ would defeat and conquer the grave and that if we believe in Him, that even when, when we die physically, unless the Lord returns, even when we die, we don't die because He has defeated and conquered the grave. If we believe in Him, we will not die but live life eternally. So the angel here, back in Luke chapter 2, is offering us a sign, pointing to something beyond just the fact that there's a baby that's born here. So let's, let's explore and let's see if we can come up with what these signs might be pointing us to. The first sign is that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. This is the mark of what I would say of, of helplessness, particularly of human helplessness. You see, 
I think what the sign is telling to the angels is, to the, to the shepherds, when you look for a Savior, especially when you look for an earthly Savior, you may be tempted to look for a strong and powerful man. A man who leads armies into glorious victory. But Emmanuel, Emmanuel came to us as a helpless child, swaddled and cared for by his mother. And if his mother had abandoned him and not cared for him, that baby child would have died. Jesus came helpless into this world. And therefore, he knew, Emmanuel knew, what it was like to be vulnerable, to be weak, to be hungry, to suffer at the hands of others. Jesus, as a man, cried when he learned of the death of Lazarus. He grieved and cried over the lostness of Jerusalem. He bore our sorrows and carried our griefs. The Scripture says that even though He saved others, He could not save Himself. Jesus knew firsthand our helplessness. The second sign was that Emmanuel would be found lying in a manger. I think this is a mark of, if you would, homelessness. There was no room for Mary and Joseph and baby in the inn. They found shelter in a place that was meant for livestock. They would soon be refugees in Egypt. The Scripture tells us that Jesus, the Son of Man, had nowhere to lay His head. Shepherds, don't go and look for Jesus in, in, a, in a home or don't go and look for Him, the King of Kings, in a, in a palace. No. He will be found in a manger, a feeding trough for animals because He has no home of His own. You see, Jesus knew our sense of unsettledness these signs should remind us that God is not distant or far away. No, the eternal God has entered the world helpless and homeless. And as we sang earlier, if we are not careful, we will miss Him. He bore our poverty. He bore our vulnerability, our brokenness. Victimized by injustice, rejected by others. There is not any person here or on the streets of Norman or of any street at any place in our world that Emmanuel cannot relate to, that Emmanuel cannot come to. For not only did Jesus experience these things, but He delivered us and saved us from these things. But there's, there's more to this sign. Some of you probably already picked up on it. So let's focus on these signs just a little bit longer. And what we will understand is that these signs not only point us to a Savior who was born in Bethlehem, but they also point us to a Savior who was crucified in Jerusalem. Biblical signs not only point themselves to a to a deeper truth, 
they also offer a kind, if you would, a kind of participation in a future reality of that truth. You see, one day, this Savior that was found wrapped in swaddling clothes and found lying in a manger would be taken down from a cross and he would be wrapped in burial cloth, burial clothing, burial linen, and he would be placed in a tomb. You see, the signs surrounding Jesus' birth anticipate his resurrection. Baby Jesus, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, offers us, even in that holy and precious moment, a picture of a future reality in which that same Jesus would be wrapped in cloth and found lying in a tomb. This morning, I'd like us to continue to focus and consider this idea of signs. The magi, the astronomers, they looked into the skies looking for the signs of the Lord. The shepherds, an angel approached them and said, here's the sign that you need to prepare. And even today, the Lord is giving us a sign. The Lord has given us a sign. Have you ever considered the idea, the possibility that baptism is a sign? I think I mentioned earlier, we were supposed to have baptism today, but both of our families are, are on COVID quarantine and isolation, and so we weren't able to have baptism today. But I want us to, for just a moment, to consider that baptism is a sign it's, it's that distinguishing mark of those who are followers of Jesus Christ. But oh, it points to so much more than just that. You see, baptism is a sign because it, it announces, it reflects, it pictures that inward spiritual cleansing that we have as, as we are forgiven and as God's grace cleanses us and makes us new and whole again. Baptism is a sign of that as you enter into the water. Now, we know that the water doesn't save you. But isn't it in, in a kind of a way of participation in that? Now, don't say, I'm not saying that baptism saves you. I'm saying that that, that sign is a kind of participation, isn't it? Baptism is a picture of our death. You're placed into a watery tomb. Just as Jesus was taken down from the cross and was placed in a tomb, you are placed in a watery tomb. Signifying death to yourself. Signifying death to your sin that, that you have been given the power. You've been freed from your sin through Christ Jesus. You die to your sin. Romans 6 says that we, we identify with Christ in our baptism as we are put into that watery tomb. 
And then like Jesus, now we certainly don't wait three days, or it would be, right? It would be a water tomb. But like Jesus, you come up out of that tomb to a newness of life, to a resurrected life. Again, a, a physical sign of the spiritual realities that are taking place within us. Have you experienced and embraced this sign that Jesus offers to all those that follow after him? Have you been baptized? It's a powerful sign in our Baptist tradition. We, we talk about believers' baptism by immersion. It's hard to experience and to, to live out that sign with different modes of baptism. It's a powerful and beautiful sign. Have you participated and shared in the sign of baptism? See, baptism is that sign. It's that mark of God's saving work that takes place within us spiritually. The Savior has come. So today, my question for you is, are you afraid today are you afraid to die? COVID has, has made us all come to grips with our own mortality and maybe in ways that we haven't had to in the past. Are you afraid to die? Well, maybe today you're afraid to live. Hear the angel say to you, fear not for a Savior has been born. God loves you. He understands your fears. He understands your sense of helplessness, your sense of homelessness, unsettledness. It is His perfect love that is found, that is birthed in Jesus Christ that casts out that fear. In His love, you nor I no longer have to live in fear and be afraid. In Him, we no longer have to be afraid to die. For you see, the same Savior that was wrapped in swaddling clothes and found lying in a manger is the same Savior wrapped in burial clothes found lying in a tomb. If we do not understand this sign, then we miss the meaning and significance of Christmas. And therefore, like the shepherds, we too must go to Bethlehem. We too must believe and embrace the good news of great joy that a Savior is born. Fear not. Let us be like the shepherds who were not afraid to hear, to listen, to go, to see, to tell, and to worship Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father, what a powerful and beautiful passage as we've seen this fear not story of the shepherds and as we've seen them follow the sign which identified Jesus as the Messiah. The sign which tells us so much more about the way Jesus lived and experienced life in this place. And most of all, this sign that points us to the cross and to the tomb. Father, we thank you today that we have been reminded of the sign of baptism. It's an outward act and expression that, that portrays and pictures the powerful 
and beautiful work of salvation that takes place within as we accept You as our Lord and as our Savior, as we repent of our sin, as we allow Your Spirit to cleanse us and to give us new birth and new life. Father, there are those here today that have never embraced this sign. They've never followed through with this mark that identifies them as a follower of Christ. And today I pray as we have focused on these signs that they would come forward, they would make that determination as they've heard that they would follow and they would go and see and experience what it means that you are Savior. Father, stir our hearts. Draw us to Bethlehem to see this child wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. In these moments, we stand to sing. We stand to make our commitments to the Lord, to be faithful, to make that decision to walk in obedience to Him. Let's stand and let's sing together. In the name of Christ, amen.